Welcome to the new Irish Writing Podcast on independent.ie. My name is Dermot Bulger. New Irish Writing, an acclaimed platform for emerging talent, has appeared in a national newspaper ever since being launched by David Marcus in 1968. It has now returned to the Irish Independent, edited by Kieran Carty, who has been the editor of the page since 1989. Hundreds of writers who were given their first chance to new Irish writing have since gone on to publish their first books, with many becoming leading figures in Irish literature. They include Anne Enright, Neil Jordan, Paula Mean, Joseph O'Connor, Colin McCann, Verona Grok, myself, Dermot Bulger, Mike McCormick, Sarah Bourne, Bernard McLaverty, Sebastian Barry, Deirdre Madden, John Byne, Anthony Glavin, and many others. In a new initiative by the Irish Independent, New Irish Writing now invites the writer of each selected story to give a podcast reading of their work. Here is this month's story. MILF by Natalie Costello Ryan At the airport, I sat on a plastic chair attached to other plastic chairs and took a banana out of my bag. There was often a banana in there or loose lost raisins floating around the bottom folds of fabric. I peeled it catching the eye of a handsome, slightly older man standing beside his luggage and teenage children. As a repressed young adult, I kind of missed out, and perhaps that's why I found myself at an airport in my late thirties, locking eyes with a grey-haired, but buff all the same, dad. He glanced over. I took a little nibble off the tip. His daughter had her back to me. The son, a dark-haired version of the father, stared at his phone. In my imagination, he was separated, taking the kids on a trip to Europe. His flight was boarding for Atlanta. Everyone had their heads in newspapers, iPhones, laptops and takeaway food bags. I'd probably never see him again. I don't know how to explain it, like an outer body experience, but I found myself licking the banana, sliding it up and down the tongue of my open mouth. Everything was magnified. The texture, something I'd never noticed before. Not quite coarse, but the sense of its tiny ridges on my tongue. It was slightly underripe. It was a good, hard banana, and I closed my lips over it, bringing it in and out of the O of my mouth. I returned my gaze to the hot dad, now puzzled hot dad, who looked around him and back to me. The airport was a blur, except for a sharp line of vision, an umbilical cord of light and focus connecting us. A sweatshirt tied around the waist covered the front of his trousers. The colour in his face changed. He looked away and then back to me. He was helpless, enthralled to my banana production. The banana and I were Circe with her wand, with the power to shut the airport down, to freeze everyone in the frame except for me and the dad. The daughter turned around and followed his gaze. I quickly bit and started to chew, only it was such a mouthful my cheeks overcrowded. I looked ridiculous. The daughter smirked to affirm this. His wife, small, blonde and of course pretty, joined them in the queue and handed him a bottle of water. He put his arm around her tiny waist and kissed her forehead. He held on to her as if she were a life jacket eyes straight ahead as they shuffled towards the gate. 
I stood and checked the screen for our own flight. An old man looked up from his newspaper, red-faced. He turned a page and shook the paper out before stealing another furtive glance. I ran to the ladies and sat breathless on the toilet, surrounded by a symphony of hand dryers and flushing. Frank and the boys had returned from the play area by the time I came out. We were flying home from Spain with our two young children. I'd clocked up a tan with all those hours under the sun and passport control thought I was Spanish. Perhaps that and the week's heat was what untethered me. You don't look Irish, the uniformed officer said with a smile, having spoken initially in Spanish. Any Irish person will tell you the ultimate compliment is that they don't look Irish. Gracias, I giggled, catching Frank's eye through the plexiglass on the other side. De nada, senora. Senora was a large busted, apron-wearing Mediterranean selling tomatoes at the market. Senora put me back in my place. On the airplane, the stewards, two rakish, skittish lads, wheeled the trolley down the aisle. I ordered something resembling food and a gin too since we just run the gauntlet of an airport with kids. Taking a sleeping child out of the pram to fold and scan it, then trying to coax him back in, is no easy thing. Frank and I took pot shots at each other to relieve the tension until we could get a drink. Midway during the flight, I made my way to the toilets at the back of the plane, checking out passengers left and right. I did this given we could be lost at sea or trapped on a desert island together should the plane go down. Waiting for the toilet light to change from red to green, I stood in the area near the aircraft door surrounded by large steel containers stowed away in hatches. It reminded me of a columbarium, except they said duty-free and hot sandwiches instead of in loving memory of my dear parents. A napkin lying on one of the counters caught my attention. The fragility of fabric in contrast to all the metal. It was creased in the middle with MILF, written in blue biro across the width. In my imagination, one of the stewards wrote it and passed it to the other as he made his way down the aircraft with the trolley. The other steward, smirking as he read it, glanced at the MILF and nodded his approval, or otherwise, before slipping the serviette into the pocket of his slim leg polyester trousers. He continued passing coffees, miniature wines and exorbitant paninis to the next passenger and the next before reaching the end, whereby he tossed the napkin carelessly onto the counter. I flushed the toilet, washed my hands and wiped the sink as a courtesy to the next passenger. The thought occurred that I might be the MILF in question. This cultivated a small glow of the ego. I looked to the square mirror on the wall which didn't answer one way or the other, but having revisited the passengers on my return journey to seat 17C, whilst I wasn't the fairest of them all, I was the only one with children. By my reckoning, this made me a likely contender for the MILF. I asked Frank what he thought as the toddler crawled from his arms to mine. He responded, as anyone wanting to make it to their next wedding anniversary, that he'd no doubt I was the MILF in question. I eyeballed the steward on his way back down the aisle with the airline lotto tickets, but when I caught his eye, he fake smiled and said, scratch cards, without a trace of desire. Deflated, 
I handed over two euro for a ticket. If I was a MILF, I was a low-grade one. I had to ask myself, drinking warm gin and tonic for a plastic cup, whether I even wanted to be a MILF. I'm old-fashioned. I want men, especially the unattractive ones, to want me in a chaste way. I'm not a naughty girl. In fact, I've always been very, very good. Do you reckon I've a shot at being a DILF? Frank asked. This sort of chat is how we pass time, like juveniles, too tired to discuss anything remotely intelligent. Goes without saying, I replied. Crisps, just put them in my mouth, my hands are full. Frank reached into the packet and put some sour cream on my tongue. I'd seen women check him out as he wheeled the pram with our son in it. Six foot, biceps pushing against the short sleeve of his signature navy polo shirt. By signature, I mean he has four of them. A plastic supermarket bag hanging off the pram handle with essentials like nappies, wipes and usually a banana or two. He preferred this to the changing bag, even though I purposely bought a black, non-emasculating one. Women just love big men and babies. They don't see him at home with his socks and sliders. The polo shirt comes out for special occasions, like leaving the house. Still, familiarity can breed content. I tell him about the banana later. That's one of the best things about Frank. You can tell him anything. At times, I envied women with those neat men who matched their socks to their trainers, knowing I'd never have that. But did those men really listen, without judgement, the way Frank did? You wouldn't be able to cash in on it, I said, draining the rest of my gin. The toddler snatched the plastic cup and began to chew the rim. Our second boy, I'd never have allowed it first time round. What? Frank pulled a rumpled crossair crossword from his coat pocket. He'd made a stab at it on the journey out two weeks ago. Been a dilf, I explained. It's a catch-22. There have been other dads. I've been caught admiring men pushing their kids on a swing, tenderly wiping hot chocolate from their daughter's mouths or kissing the top of an infant head peeping out of its sling. There's nothing more shameful than a five-year-old girl glaring at you with a look that says, back off my daddy. Or the mate eyeballing you as you divert your gaze to the child and smile fondly in a motherly, sexless way. In my school dorm circa 1990, most cubicle walls had that famous poster with a bare-chested stud, tight jeans slung dangerously low, holding a baby. Despite not being maternal at the time, my teenage self loved that buff man looking down at his baby. Catch-22? Frank nudged me with his elbow. Oh, these fucking seats. A man taking care of his offspring is very sexy, I said, wincing as the toddler jumped on my bladder. But if you try to act on it, he's just another arsehole cheating on his family. Frank loaded up on crisps, pouring half of them into his hand before passing the bag over. We argued like siblings over snacks. The toddler swiped and they sprayed onto the floor and into the half-open rucksack. Makes biological sense, though, Frank said, laying the crisps out on his crossword paper. Man spreading his seed, he continued, waving his hands in a spreading motion, more like a Bollywood dancer than a seed spreader, looking for nurturers. 
Oh, it's creepy when you say stuff like that. I wish you hadn't read so much Freud. Frank shook the salt off his crossword and returned to it while the children climbed all over me. The middle seat was empty and there were three occupants in mine. A milf, I considered, holding onto the ankles of my upside-down child as he ate fragments of crisps off the airplane floor. A milf just happens to be a mother. It's not the actual act of mothering that is attractive. Women pushing prams aren't generally considered sexy, no matter how good their biceps are. A milf is attractive, despite being a mother. I stared out at the puff of white clouds while the toddler sucked on my necklace and the four-year-old licked the rucksack. I had transitioned from child to nubile to potential milf without even noticing. The senorita had already left the building. My next pop culture reference would be Mrs. Robinson, assuming I aged well. I was hurtling towards my own vanishment, receding from view each day since motherhood. Perhaps that was why I often woke in the early hours, pinned to the mattress with dread. Why I found myself slipping under the sheet as if it were a shroud, imagining myself in a mortuary. Why I could so clearly summon upon my own funeral, the motherless baby boys in their smart funeral clothes, the hushed tones and soft organ notes. Devastated Frank, wearing his only suit, the scattered light breaking through the stained glass, radiant on his tired face. Me, weeping under the bedsheet at their loss, at my own loss. The warning light flashed as the captain put on the seatbelt sign and announced we were heading for turbulence. I did what I was told, strapped the child to me and buckled up for the bumpy ride ahead. The engine revved. I felt its vibrations deep inside. New Irish Writing, edited by Kieran Carty and appearing in the Irish Independent on the first Saturday of each month, is open to writers who are Irish or resident in Ireland. Stories submitted should not exceed 2,000 words. Up to four poems may be submitted. There is no entry fee. Writers whose work is selected will receive 120 euros for fiction and 60 euro for poetry. You can email your entry, preferably as a word document to newirishwriting at independent.ie, all one word. Please make sure to include your name, address and contact number, as well as a brief biographical paragraph. Only writers who have yet to publish their first book can be considered. Thank you and good luck with your writing.